I didn't know this about Parker, but oh. when he thinks, he bends over like he's in serious pain or about ready to take a poop. I'm just thinking. I'm just like in a squat. I mean, he came out of the office one day and he was, eh, and I'm like, what is that? Is he okay? It's a blood flow thing. It's yeah. You're yeah. making me seem like an idiot. No, no, no. <laughs> Welcome to the Enjoying the Journey podcast this week of Thanksgiving. I'm Rob, and I'm excited to share this time with you. I don't know about you, but it's been a little hard to remember this week is Thanksgiving week. Plans aren't the same. Our traditions will look a little different. Who knows? Maybe even some new ones will be started. Family will be missed, but in the end, we want to give thanks. We want to choose joy. We want to choose hope. We want to choose new opportunities. We want to choose a thankful heart. We want to choose a time to reflect on the good times, the tough times, on the times when we saw God's hand and the times when he was quiet. We want to choose to move forward, leaning into and trusting God. And I think today's guest will inspire you to continue on in faith. And friend, I pray that you find a little more joy in your journey. It's so good today to have Patrick Devaney on the podcast. Super excited to have you. I'm really excited because I understand you are a D1 football player, played at the University of Colorado. Of course, you you lived my dream. I used to dream of running out of a locker room and people chanting my name, especially all the cheerleaders. <laughs> that never happened, but it sounds like it did for you. So thank you for joining us. Can, can you take us on a trip on your journey from football to, I believe, even playing in the NFL and just what that was like. And yeah, let us know a little bit about you. Yeah, totally. So um, originally from Northern California, grew up in a, uh, I always kind of laugh looking back on my journey through football. It was very much, my parents got divorced when I was pretty young. Mm. And sports became the one common denominator in the relationship both with my mom and dad. My mom was always kind of the, the strict school first scenario, but my dad, that was like, I want to impress dad coming from a divorced family. I, I better be good at sports. And that was no fault of his own. That was my own, my own mental sure. doing. Um, but my mom actually refused to let me play tackle until I was in high school. Wow. So it actually worked out really well because most of the kids I knew played all their life. By the time they got to senior high school, they're like, dude, I'm 20 years in. Like, I'm burnt out. Sure. And for me, I was only four. Freshman year is my first, uh, first year playing and went out for quarterback and I was just a bigger kid. Uh, and it somehow, I was super tall and lanky. And then my junior year, sports started to click for me. I started finally growing into my body. Sure. And our high school was phenomenal. And I credit most of the recruiting that I got to a lot of the kids I played with. A lot of them were phenomenal. I just give them the ball and they just made me look good. But <laughs> had had a chance to uh, had some D1 offers and I chose University of Colorado. Kind of to your point, running out behind at CU, University of Colorado, they have a live buffalo as their mascot. That's and right. So, yeah. 
when you go on a recruiting trip and, and you see the team run out behind a, a real life Buffalo, um, it's pretty cool. And something you don't want to pass up. So went to University of Colorado under Gary Barnett in 2005. And then we lost um, to Texas when they had Vince Young and all those guys. And they oh. beat the dominant ST, SC team in the national championship that year. We lost to them in the Big 12 championship game. And they fired Coach Barnett. And uh, we got Dan Hawkins. And that was where I was asked politely uh, to switch positions to tight end. Oh. And I loved Boulder too much to transfer. I had zero desire to transfer. Um, looking back, I try not to have buyer's remorse in that decision. Uh, and it somehow worked out, but that was where I quickly overnight went from a position that was illegal to hit me to now I need a way you know, I need to gain about 40 or 50 pounds of all muscle, no fat, and Ooh. and the lead blocker on most plays. So it was a tough transition um, that luckily towards the end of my career worked out for better or worse and ended up uh, getting an opportunity to go to the Seattle Seahawks. Nice. Which was Coach Carroll's first year up there. And I think he set the transaction record that year for the most cuts and hirings and really? he was just trying to mold his team and so uh, i was up there till training camp um, was released and then ruptured a tendon in my wrist and my football career kind of ended at that point um i was so grateful I, I look back though and i just know the jump from high school to college was one thing from college to the nfl i, I was pretty much just happy to be there I wanted to play and wanted it to work and the money and everything, but, uh, man, those guys are just a whole nother level. So, um, yeah. And then it's been a very interesting journey since then kind of post football, trying to figure out who I want to be when I grow up. Right. Well, I think it's super impressive how you started football as a freshman in high school. So you've only got four years to show D1 schools what, right. you, what you can do. Then you go to a D1 school, like you said, running behind a, a Buffalo. That's pretty exciting. Thank goodness they didn't let the reins go and the Buffalo turns around and chases. Right. And, and then you, yeah, you get a new coach. And rather than transferring, deciding they don't find value in me, you switch positions so much so that you end up getting an offer to the Seattle Seahawks, which is just, I mean, that's a lot. That That is success that, wow, I started later. I made it to D1. They asked me to switch positions. I go, I'm there. Now I have an injury. Now what do I do? I, I Mentally, I have thought about this a lot. I, <laughs> I was not a D1 football player. I quit playing football my freshman year of high school. That's when I could no longer play. And so I didn't have my whole identity in sports and things like that. But yeah, walk us through that. How do, how do you, you had what sounds like to me so much success. And then all of a sudden an injury puts you on a whole new course. How do you mentally deal with that? How do you find who you want to be when you grow up? Yeah, that, you know, it's, there are so many different ways to go with that. I think the loss of identity piece for athletes, especially the higher you get, and I, I hate making the comparison 
because I'm by no means comparing the job, but from the camaraderie standpoint, the identity, you see a lot of right now, especially at CU, we've had a lot of uh, high profile athletes commit suicide. Oh. And you see that kind of across the board and always it's the boogeyman in the room is CTE. Everyone wants to point to brain damage. However, I don't really buy it yet. I've seen too much uh, depression related to that loss of identity because that is your spot. And where I was going with that is I don't like comparing the military and sports. Got not the same, but you do see those high numbers of suicide, depression, loss of identity. Um, and it's tough when all of a sudden you've lived your whole life. I'm in high school, start kind of getting noticed, you know, to your point, the cheerleaders are looking at <laughs> you and then you get your name in the paper. More importantly, your mom's pumped on it. Your yeah. dad's excited. Again, I'm doing it, trying to impress them. And then you go to school, you get recruited, people calling you all the time. How's football? How's life? How's school? And then when you're done, you literally wake up in a position of you're used to being told where to go, what to do, what to eat, what time you need to be there. Everything's charted out for you. And, uh, and everyone is interested in you. So then now all of a sudden you wake up on a Monday, you have nowhere to go. You have nowhere to be. No one's calling you trying to figure out what's going on. You're no longer important. There's a new high schooler they're interested in or whatever. And what made it more tough too was my, at the time, my three best friends all went on and continued playing in the NFL. So I went from living my quote unquote dream to, and kind of feeling like I've peaked out at 23 years old. Mm. And I was just thinking about this the other day when I was at CU in 2008 ish, my junior senior year, we had two guys make Forbes 30 under 30 list. Wow. So that, that were ex football players. Okay. Okay. And so regardless of what they did, I, in my mind internalized that in college as I'm going to make it to the NFL. If I don't, they made it, I'll make Forbes 30 under 30. Well, neither of those really played out. And I thought the transition post football would be really easy and just, I'd figure it out and be successful. But I always say it's tough when you lose that identity and you're so used to chasing a dream where your passion is through the roof Mm. to then turn around and wake up and want to go to work from eight to five, jumped into commercial real estate. It's like, dude, I've never once cared what somebody's paying price per square foot. (laughs) care less and now i'm supposed to and everyone's like well you you achieved all these things i'm like yeah but i don't care like i just don't have that passion and i don't have you know it's not the sales it's not the money it's something more that you're like trying to chase so then on that flip side again for me having my three best friends play and make a lot of money and success and fame Mm. you know my first job i was a host at a restaurant studying for the uh lsats So I would go to work every day, tying my apron and my best friends are, you know, training on the beach in Southern California and then flying a private plane to their team and this and that. And I'm like, what is this? I didn't get to see anybody else struggle right away out of college. So it was, it was really tough trying to figure out who I was as a person uh, and not continually get knocked down every single day. Yeah. I, can't even really imagine what that 
what that's like. I can understand the passion in changing things. And I hear a lot of people talk about, you know, our best days are behind us. I don't really like that philosophy. I hope my best days are ahead of me. Correct. Uh, I have learned, um, you know, now at that, what they call middle-aged, did everything I set out for in my 20s, have I achieved? No. Do right. I... Do I still think I can achieve some of those goals? Yes, and then part of me's lived enough life to understand, well, maybe those goals weren't that that important anyway. You can change them. You know, Correct. You, you can make them different. And so I, I know when I was, I was reading up on your playing career and all of that, you had this kind of statement in there that you had back in college, obviously there's a, there's a lot of pressure that was going on but you had this thing where you felt as though your identity was a little twisted, you know, because now you're trying to gain weight, you're trying to change positions. And can, can you talk a little bit into that, what that was like, what, what you meant by your identity being twisted and going back to college, the pressure of trying to be that elite athlete and not disappoint mom and dad. Totally. Yeah. And I think, you know, even if someone's not, an elite athlete, you know, knowing Parker and kind of the story there, like every, every time you get a kid that walks on campus, you're now out of your house, you're out of your parents' control, you're out of all this stuff. And it's a whole new world. I'm trying to figure, you're trying to figure out how to pump your own gas, let alone pay right. for it and get to school on time and homework. And you're like, it is your world flipped upside down. And so I think things definitely get a little more complicated when you add in athletics because it's so demanding. But you also, in a, in a weird way, are spoon-fed a lot of the other things, right. which debilitates you later in life. But, you know, right when you graduate college. Uh, but I think when I said that statement, kind of having my identity twisted, again, it I was living for all the wrong things. I was living for recognition. I was living for, which is hard to do, hard to not do. Um, especially when it is, you know, you are such in the public facing right. aspect of it. Um, and so I, I didn't have much faith in my life at that time. Mm. Um, for me, I think I kind of did the Tebow in the end zone and went to FCA and all these things. Sure. But I pretty much prayed saying, you know, let me catch a touchdown pass today or please don't let me get injured mm. or any of that kind of stuff. But it was more like, God, help glorify me type thing. And so when it really became about like I needed all these pressures mounting on me came from a place of like, I need to make it to the NFL. I need to make a ton of money. I need to do all this kind of stuff. Never thinking about who do I really want to be? Like, what do I and whether again, you're an athlete or you're deciding between marketing and finance or any of that kind of stuff, what truly makes you happy and trying to figure out that journey versus your parents are demanding you go to school and major in finance. You may not like numbers, like, right. But more people do it than not. So it was just this total twist again, trying to receive love from my parents and justify that I'm good enough to be here and and not have the shame associated of not making it. Mm, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And so it sounds like faith has started to work into your life now into the future, the way it sounds, and that you've 
kind of wrapped your head around a different identity? Would would that be fair to say? Where yeah. Today. Yeah. So I think um, it's kind of an interesting. So I said life's been a journey post football. So when I got done with um, playing football and kind of going through that for about the next four or five years, I then wrapped my identity around body image and food and strict dieting and all this kind of stuff. Cause I always said to myself, here I am, you know, working eight hours a week, basically making no money. If I'm not going to be in the NFL, I better look like I'm in the NFL mm-hmm. was kind of my justification, especially being around my best friends that are still playing. So, and what's twisted about eating disorders and body image today is the worse it gets, the more you get applauded. You start showing up to the gym at 4 a.m. You're there for three hours. You're draining sweat when you leave. You're on this crazy diet. Everyone will look at you and say, dude, you've never looked better. And I admire you for your structure and your discipline. Meanwhile, they don't know that you're really struggling inside, right? You're trying to find control and it's eating you alive and all these things. Every time you look in the mirror, it's never good enough. And again, whether you're in athletics or you're just in school and you're dealing with your own stressors and want to impress and you know impress the sorority girls or whatever it is, sure. There's always that pressure. And I always kind of say, you know, people and men especially will drown a lot of their depression and anxiety in the gym and in food. But if I were to walk into that same environment and I'm struggling for whatever reason and start ripping shots, somebody would be like, dude, are you all right? Like, what is, it's noon, what are you doing? But somebody could show up to the gym at 4 a.m. with one hour of sleep and they get applauded. And they're there literally trying to beat themselves up and punish themselves, right? So I started going through that mentality and was super rigid and had this really bad relationship with food. And in 2015, my mom, who had kind of been my purpose in life, out of all the journeys I had gone through, everything ups and downs, it was like, I'm gonna provide for mom. Mm -hmm. And she unexpectedly passed away in her sleep in 2015. So I, Quickly, I lost football, lost my identity with that. Then my identity became my mom. Then my mom died. And, and I really, I hit, I mean, talk about suicidal and depressed and the eating disorder got even worse. It was unbearable at that point. Um, and I just kept felt like, it felt like life kept kicking me in the teeth over and over. And I would try to latch onto something. And then about, Two years after that, I was dating somebody. We dated for a long time. She broke up with me. And that was like the final straw. It was just, and I was in no place to be dating. So long story short, my football coach from the University of Colorado and a few other mentors, it was so weird. I got off the phone with one. I called another and they don't, one lives in Hawaii. One's in Boulder. Uh. One's in Florida, like all over the place. And every one of them, they were not talking at all. They had no reason to be talking, but they were just in my life. Um, They all said, you know, you've been through a lot. Have you considered faith? Mm -hmm. And at at first one, no, man, that's not, that's not for me. Second one, that's funny. The other guy just said that, but no, I thought the fifth time I was like, why does this keep showing up right now? Mm -hmm. And I went and met with and had coffee with uh, coach Brian Cabral. He's like a legendary uh, linebacker coach at CU. 
uh, won a Super Bowl with the Bears in 85. He's just like this giant Hawaiian teddy bear. Uh, he sat down with me and he had me read and basically memorize, but uh, Romans 8, 28. Mm. And it was the whole concept, you know, it's not about my will, it's God's will. And it's all happening for a bigger plan. Right. And that was where life started to give me a little bit of hope because I knew there was so much pain involved in the entire journey that I basically came to a place where I was crawling to faith. And I didn't grow up in a household of faith or any of that kind of stuff. But I knew if there was one certainty in life, it's God, no matter who comes in and out of our life. And that at the end of the day, if I can just cling on to that and know that there's a bigger plan, bigger picture, and knowing that somehow this is all working out. And now I've married a wife that I look back that I would have never met her if mom didn't pass away. I was living a totally different world. So kind of just being like, okay, somehow it's not how I necessarily want it to work out. But it's, there's a bigger, and again, if you're going through all this stuff, just kind of hoping that there's a bigger plan is sometimes enough to get through some of those, literally, whether it's suicidal thoughts, depression, anxiety, especially in the world we live in today, you know, COVID is nasty and the yeah. life and the lockdowns and this and that, well, okay. How's this going to work? So at the end of the day, yes, I, I've come a little bit more full circle in faith, but it's been a, a very rocky journey for sure to get me here. I felt like God was just beating me with a sandbag every day of my life. Um, I can but, relate. I can relate yeah. to that. <laughs> yeah. There are moments where I'm like, ow, stop it. <laughs> That's right. And you're like, why do you keep hitting me? And I'm like, oh, now I look back. That may, yeah, I should have noticed a little while ago. Right. Uh, Yes. And you bring, you bring up a great point for anybody that's struggling. And we're going to dive into what you brought up as well with the eating disorder. But yep. anybody that's struggling, when you, when you have mentors in your life and you start to hear a consistent message, maybe listen. That's right. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe listen. That, that could be good. So as you said, you know, God, you felt like God was beating you with a sandbag. But then to have those gentlemen in your life keep saying something. Because sometimes we're so broken and so down that we just can't, we can't see past what we're going through. And those around us that understand us and have faith can, can start whispering in our ears that, hey, your life is valuable. You're not worthless. You're, you maybe had a, a little bit of a false view of what your identity was. No, no, no. It's so much more than that. You're a child of God. You That's know, right. you are wanted. And so I know you mentioned as we were talking and you have been through a lot. I mean, from dreams that had to change, losing your mom, uh, the eating disorder, which I also think for those that are listening, sometimes they think an eating disorder for, for a male. Really? That's that's a thing. I, you know, I was first introduced to it when my brother was in college. He had a little something going on. He's come through that. But. Yeah, it was, it was scary at the time, but I really hadn't heard a whole lot more about it. And then uh, with Parker's story, your story, can you talk to our listeners about that? That may be thinking, what? That can happen in, in guys' worlds? How, what does that look like? And how do you deal with that? That's right. Yeah, no, it is something, something I can relate to the most because I didn't know I had a problem until I finally somehow figured it out. 
and why I appreciate doing podcasts. I found out I have an eating disorder or at least got clued into it by a podcast I accidentally listened to. Uh-huh. And again, going back to, I always, well, so many different ways to go with this, but I always look back and I think a lot of my relationship with food and the way I was eating, I was dieting and, you know, the keywords right now are <clears throat> keto diet and, you know, the paleo and intermittent fasting and all these things that really sure there are times where it's, you know, if you have a incent, you have like allergic reaction to something, you want to eliminate that food and your doctor can talk about that. But if you're doing it and eliminating foods and developing a good versus bad food relationship, you have foods that are good and foods that are bad, however you define that. And you're doing it for the purpose of trying to improve your body image, you know, thinking somebody else is going to like you because of that, you're off to a very slippery slope Mm -hmm. and it escalates very quick. And unfortunately, what we also are faced, especially as men, but also females, you know, you look at a lot of these guys in the NFL and people don't talk about it, but the performance enhancing drugs and the supplements and you look at them. And if you're an 18 year old athlete, you're in high school and you want to aspire to be them. Now you have this image of this Goliath Mm -hmm. that doesn't happen without supplements, right? However you want to define supplements and even worse, if you're not interested in that, you're not watching football, that's fine or any sport in general. Uh, you go to the grocery store and you're checking out at the checkout line and you see Hugh Jackman is Wolverine on men's health. Right. Well, knowing what I know about that industry, one, they have doctors on staff. They are have trainers that they're getting paid for. Their food is being made for them. They're probably getting supplements. And then leading into that photo shoot, he probably didn't have water for 48 hours. Mm-hmm. Is completely deprived those guys don't walk around like that year round, right? right? That is impossible to maintain. But the issue is, as a guy, you're just break up with your significant other, whatever. And you're like, I need to look like him. And now that's your reality. That is nowhere near that. And you end up starting to reach such extremes in what you're doing. And another, you know, like, the Dwayne Johnson's of the world that I use, he was my idol, but you look at him and he's on Instagram all the time of like, just flew from Hawaii to Japan and it's 3am. I'm going straight to the gym. And then here's my cheat meal on Sunday. He's influencing so many perceptions that are not realistic and, and not, nobody can actually do that. And if you don't start to live up to that, and when you realize you can't, you then start to beat yourself up. Why am I not as strong as him? I can do this. I can blah, blah, blah. And so it quickly escalates. And for me going through it, and even now, if you type in online and Google eating disorder or body image, all the images will be of a 60 pound white female with pink font and all these things that nobody can relate to. And then even if you're willing to look past that, the marketing is so bad in general. I always, I joke, but just being candid, like that when I found out maybe I have an issue, a doctor I had talked to wanted to send me some articles and the headline on the article said males with ED. 
And I almost threw my phone across the room and never even explored an eating disorder because I read that as males with erectile dysfunction. Sure, sure. And right away, though, like that's the reality of if you're a man in this world, you don't want to touch that, let alone you're inundated by images of women. But realizing and now as I speak about it, you know, you look at the stats and they say 10 million men struggle with an eating disorder in the U.S., which is horrific. But if we actually studied men and men knew it was an issue, I guarantee you that number is through the roof, way higher. And I look at it even just in the sports world. I mean, if you look at most athletes, for sure, most, if not all, have disordered eating, a bad relationship with food. They're trying to, you know, figure out some sort of competitive edge, um, which is really what it comes down to. So you'll do anything. And then all of a sudden you're done playing and you mix in loss of identity and bad nutrition knowledge and this and that it escalates beyond belief. And the, and the toughest part again, for me going through it was once they told me I had bulimia and that it was, it wasn't a lack of willpower on my part. It was this thing they call bulimia. I felt like I get the weight of the world came off my shoulders but then going through recovery, I had to then convince my family and my friends that I had an issue. I would go home and say, I have bulimia, feeling so relieved. And they'd be like, what? There's no way, dude, that's a chick thing. You don't, there's, you don't, the doctor doesn't know what you're talking about. So then I had then had to like recover myself and then inform everybody else to get them to like actually believe me. So it's pretty, it's, just tough to look at right now when when guys are struggling with it one they either don't know or if they do it's a very uphill journey trying to get you know seek treatment mm, absolutely man it's it's something i i think you are exactly right there's all kinds of men throughout the u.s and the world that deal with it whether they're working out trying to bulk up cut you know, everybody wants that chiseled stomach. I still want it at 44, but I haven't been able to have it for 20 years. So I kind of yeah, gave right. up on that, on that goal. But yeah, you have this, this image of yourself. I want to look this way. I want to act this way. I want, I want people to think of me this way. And when that gets twisted, yep. as we said earlier, you, you do, you spiral out of control quickly. And well, and you said something about that I just have to touch on, like even the concept, and I grew up on it was, you know, you have beat season and then bulking season, mm, right? Right. So, and, and naturally it kind of works out well because bulking season is when it's winter, right? You have, yeah, it's, it's justified because you can have the extra carbs around Thanksgiving and Christmas, but then all of a sudden March hits. Yeah. And this is where it's like so normalized in our world but how is it normal that when March happens, you're like, okay, I got 16 weeks to get cut for beat season, spring break, whatever it is, summertime. And you start avoiding the bread at the dinner table. Yep. You can't have that. You start bringing your own meals to restaurants like I did. You start avoiding birthday parties and cake and all this kind of stuff. Yet you can ponder like, dude, it's beat season. Like, let me right. get it. You know? And then all of a sudden you start yo-yo dieting 
because you can't control it. You're not eating normally. Your body's going to fight back. And that is just like a quick and easy example though. I just, right when you said that, I started laughing because it's, that's probably the most common one that people don't acknowledge it, but that is disordered eating. It's not necessarily the full eating disorder, but that's a bad relationship that causes anxiety in your life based on how you look and food that is so normalized and almost joked upon it. Like, you know, but it, I felt, I mean, I lived that for 20 years. Like that was my cycle in life. Uh, So yeah, it's just so interesting to kind of sit back and be like, dang, there's our back is against the wall on this one. Right. And then you throw in uh, new year's resolutions every year. That's it. I mean, that kicks, kicks it off and then you you start for a little bit because you had thanksgiving you know thanksgiving i love thanksgiving i usually love thanksgiving meals it's it's one of the best between that and the fourth of july you know when you're barbecuing outside and fireworks are going off to sitting around watching football turkey my wife just said today when are we going to do our turkey meal i'm like i don't know but i'm 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 starting to get yeah yeah you go through all this then it's New Year's resolutions, get to the gym, cut weight, get ready for, for beach season. That we do, we get a twisted view on. That doesn't mean though, that we can't remember that our bodies aren't temples, that That's we right. were given a body to take care of. Uh, Cause it's such a balance, I, I think, between an unhealthy relationship with food in a good body image to an unhealthy relationship with food where you just don't care anymore. That's right. And so you have touched on so much today from identity to to dreams being changed to uh, playing for for your mom to losing your mom that I want to ask as we kind of wrap up today. How how do you how do you see yourself today after walking through through all of this? I think it, I mean, honestly, I joke, uh, or I say it as a joke, but it, it really is kind of where I'm at today of like, what do I want to be when I grow up? Yeah. You know, like, um, I am somebody for better or worse that if, if I'm not overly passionate about it, it's hard for me to get in there. So, um, I think I still wake up, which again, this is where it's, I feel so relieved in that journey, waking up saying, okay somehow this journey is leading me somewhere that's going to be greater than anything I could have imagined. Yeah. But I still don't know what that is. Got I don't it. know where that leads me. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I love my work now. I just still kind of, you know, I'm married, yep. just got married and hoping for a family and all this stuff. And I want to be the best dad I can be best husband. Um, but it is tough when you come from such a lifestyle that was, either you scored the touchdown or you didn't, you can go back and watch the replay, but so black and white. And right now just kind of being like, I feel like it's more the gray area in life. Yep. As an athlete, you hate that. It's a little out of control is what I think you're saying. That's right. Out of control. And I want the results right now. Exactly. And that, Every American listening. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That instant gratification that it, it's not necessarily have, I couldn't be more happy with where I'm at in life right now, but I do, I, you know, it still feels like there's a bigger mission. I don't know what it is yet. Um, and I hope to get there. Oh, I think it, awesome. I think that's great advice because enjoying the journey podcast, you just pretty much summed it all up for all of us. 
that's when Parker like gave me the rundown. I was like, oh my gosh, this is perfect because you can't do it without faith. And if you're not, you know, life is not the linear path, just straight to happiness. And somehow you have to make it all work out in one way or the other. So enjoy the bad times. And I think the one thing a coach said to me one time, we were watching film, but I've always thought of this life's and really the game, but life's never as good as it seems and life's never as bad as it seems. So trying to live in the middle, not get too high and not get too low and really not trying to get too low because it's not that bad. The sun will rise again tomorrow and we'll figure it out. Um, so again, yeah, it's like, that's why I was so excited about the opportunity to be on today. Oh, we appreciate it. And with that, the only thing I would add and God's with you, you know, when you're down, both in the, in the good times and the bad times, he's there. Sometimes he's carrying you and you can't see it. And other times, you know, he's high-fiving you because it was a, it was a great day. And so I appreciate you just pouring into us today, pouring into our listeners, enjoying the journey. Like you said, it's not linear. There's ups, there's downs. You just got to keep going. You got to understand the sun will rise again tomorrow and that there's a God that loves you. And when your identity gets a little twisted, don't forget, he knows the hairs on your head. He ordained the days for you before they were ever, you know, you were born and that there is something coming. That's right. And that your best days can still be ahead of you, even when you got to catch balls in front of 70,000 fans. That's right. You know, I will say the one, right as you're saying that too, the book I think that changed my life was, uh, yeah, so many of them, but Father by God by John Eldridge. Oh, nice. Very nice. Or not, that was, especially as you kind of, when you're talking about identity, I think that's one that I could not recommend enough uh, for anybody listening. Awesome. Well, Patrick, thank you so much. It was awesome. I hope we get a chat again. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Anytime. This is awesome. Thank you, Cole. You guys are up too. Thanks for tuning in to the Enjoying the Journey podcast brought to you by Rise Ministries. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and to follow Rise Ministries on any of our social media channels. Thanks for listening.